This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, and we catch up with Elisa Nelson uh, at the Missouri Net Newsroom. And uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks. We normally chat with her on Friday, but um, we had to push this back. Um, did you catch your breath? I'll catch my breath in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is when this uh, is all over with. <laughs> yeah, I know we're coming down the home stretch here, and uh, we'll certainly have more from you in the the coming weeks as uh, the legislature kind of makes their final decisions, and we'll see what happens. Sometimes a lot of that is left hanging, but um, there's an interesting topic uh, coming up that we're going to talk about here. Uh, Missouri is inching closer to restricting four day school weeks. Well, how how big is that? How how big are four day school weeks here in Missouri? Surprisingly, it's quite the trend. Um, so there's roughly 150, 160 school districts across the state that operate on a school week that's four days long, and uh, that list continues to grow. Really, um, and and I will say the majority of the school districts that are using this model they are rural districts and so but what what's interesting is larger and larger districts are starting to use this model um so um independent school districts so you're talking you know outside of kansas city that became the largest school district in Missouri who uh, adopted a four-day school district, and that was last year. So they are uh, looking to use that model next school year. And so as um, larger districts have been coming on the scene to use the four-day school district, that's when lawmakers are like, huh, maybe we should take a look at this yeah because that's what that's close to 20 25 percent of the school districts that are on four-day weeks then back in 2010 or so when um, the state legislature allowed districts to move to this shortened school week approach um, it was originally because of, of financial reasons but that's shifted over the years and now it's more of a, a a teacher recruitment and retention reason um so um the way that some of the rural school districts can compete with the larger districts is saying hey we have this four-day school week that we operate on um whereas these larger districts do not um and so it can be attractive to some teachers who need that extra day to catch on, catch up on all sorts of different work. And so that's really the reason um, that we're at this juncture is so um, the, the state is looking at maybe limiting um, which districts or which uh, the, the population size of a school district uh, to determine which ones can and cannot offer the shortened school weeks. Who's leading the charge to shorten these school weeks? 
Well, uh, State Senator Doug Beck, who is a former Afton school board member, he's really the one that's behind this effort to, he actually wants to go statewide, restrict no matter what the size of the school district or the size of that city or county. Uh, he wants it to be um, no matter what size. Now, some of the rural districts apparently went to him and said, Hey, this is not this is not going to work for my district or my districts in my district. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so now he um, th- there's this effort now that's going on um, that would limit that, and so it's under a bill that's sponsored by State Senator Ben Brown, um, who has this homeschool bill, and there are provisions within that bill that were added that would restrict it um it would require districts with more than 30,000 residents to go back to holding 5-day school weeks unless local voters say otherwise. Elisa Nelson joining us from the Missouri Net newsroom uh trying to restrict 4-day school weeks. Why do lawmakers want to limit this? I mean it seems like it's it's growing. There's there's got to be some positives to it, but why do they want to limit this? Yeah, you know, something that uh, State Senator Doug Beck has said is that, um, you know, that going to school five days a week is critical to student learning. Um, And so there's that learning loss that can occur, according to him. And, you know, I've heard the uh, argument of what are the kids doing on the fifth day when they're by themselves or, you know, parents have to find uh, daycare on that fifth day and that can be hard yeah. or they're at home alone doing who knows what. And so those are some of the reasons uh, that oppose holding the shortened school weeks. Well, what are the opposing arguments to limiting four-day school weeks? Well, uh, you know, there was a, a recent House committee hearing on this bill by uh, State Senator Ben Baker and uh, Dale Hurl, who is the superintendent of the independent school district, he was one who um, spoke in opposition to restricting um, some districts to uh, only being able to hold five-day school weeks. He wants lawmakers to, basically, he wants them to grandfather in the larger districts who um, are currently operating at four days a week or they plan to next year. The plan also includes remedial instruction for students that are a grade level or more behind their peers on those Mondays, tutoring at all grade levels, enrichment activities, and college classes for our high school students on those Mondays. We are also offering child care for our parents at a reduced cost. We have already amended our salary schedules for next year and issued contracts to our employees. So it seems to be working in these districts that are using it so far you know um i think what i've heard is that there's not enough information at this point to know um how what the impact of four-day school weeks is on the students you know is it really hurting student performance um now i think there there is an argument to be made about Um, teacher happiness, you know, teacher recruitment and retention when it comes to having that 
a five-day school week. And there's an argument, I think, to be made about, okay, if you don't have a quality teacher in front of these kids, if you don't have a teacher, you don't have a teacher. And so their teacher recruitment really is important in this whole mix um, to make sure you have a quality certified teacher to teach them. Otherwise, um, it, it is going to impact student performance. Well, what's the Teachers Association saying about this? Well, um, Matt Michelson, who represents the Missouri State Teachers Association, he actually told Representative Peter Meredith during this hearing uh, that the effort would stifle teacher recruitment. Our members that are contacting me about what's happening in Jefferson City, they're looking at that support, and I think that they see this as a piece that says, maybe we don't really care about what you think as a teacher. We know in Jefferson City better than what you know locally to make those decisions. Uh, welcome and to so Jefferson City. It <laughs> uh, seems like that's what all the bills here on, on education are doing. Elisa Nelson joining us from the Missouri Net Newsroom maybe doing away with four-day school weeks. Uh, are there any state representatives that are in favor of this, that, that want to keep four-day four school weeks? Well, State Representative Jeff Myers from Warrenton, he's a Republican. He actually spoke during that hearing. He said that all districts within, within his area actually operate on four days a week. To retain teachers, I can't really, we're having a hard time generating any extra income to pay them. So this is one thing that the school districts can do as an incentive. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a catch 22. I get it from the parents' point of view. Um, but sooner or later, when we got to have teachers to at least staff classrooms, and that's been an issue. All right. Uh, so what's the next steps with this? What happens now in the process? Well, um, this House committee that heard testimony uh, during a recent hearing. It's now up to that committee to decide if it moves to another House committee, and it's kind of a formality if it makes it to the next House committee. Um, and that committee just decides whether it goes to the full House for debate. So with not much time on the clock here, um, it's crunch time if, if they plan to get this bill through um, because the last day of session is May 12th. Man, I would have loved four-day school weeks. I mean, Fridays were always a blow-off anyway, <laughs> but... <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that you would have gotten into trouble on that fifth day. No, I was a pretty clean kid, but man, yeah, having that extra day, though, and take a Friday off, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. So we need four-day work weeks at Missouri Nut and show me today. Oh, I love that idea. I know. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's take that up with the bosses. All right. Well, uh, interesting. We'll see how this plays out. Elisa Nelson uh, from the Missouri Nut Newsroom uh, will catch up with you again real soon here as we get down to crunch time with the legislature. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful when mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. I wanted a better relationship with dad, so I asked mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try the United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Welcome back to Show Me Today. One of the topics during this legislative session that we've talked quite a bit about in really the last couple of years since we've been on the air has been legalized sports betting. Uh, as states around us, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas have approved sports betting. Missouri has been late to the game. And uh, we've heard from people like Kansas City Chiefs owner Clark Hunt, who was encouraged before the session thinking that something could get done, but that's not the case and now the St. Louis Cardinals want to be proactive. And uh, with me is Cardinals president, Bill DeWitt III. Bill, nice to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Same to you. Thanks, Bill. Hey, from the professional sports organization side of things, how frustrating is it that another legislative session will end and no passage of a sports betting bill when states around us are passing them left and right? Yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, uh, we still have a week left, so, you know, who knows, maybe there's a slim chance of something happening. But, um, you know, as we sit here, it's it's looking pretty unlikely. And um, it, it's very frustrating because I think we have a winning issue. Um, our fans certainly have been asking us why this hasn't been legalized in Missouri. And uh, as you mentioned in your intro, you know, all of our surrounding states have it. And um, our fans are, are crossing uh, state lines and uh, to do it legally, or they're just betting illegally, and uh, it's unregulated and untaxed in Missouri in that respect, and unenforced. So who knows who um, those bets are being placed with. Um, and so we just feel like um, it, it's very important that this 
and comes out in the open, gets taxed and regulated and done the right way. I uh, saw the article in the Post-Dispatch, and you were quoted as saying that you would take a serious look to put a referendum on the ballot in 2024. And an advantage is the next election is a presidential election year, so numbers would be higher, more voters, perhaps. Um, what will it take to get this referendum off the ground? Where are you at in this stage? Well, we're still very early in that. Um, I think we still have time if we want to do that. Our focus has been on the legislative process, but as you know, the definition of insanity is is doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result, which seems to be what's been happening in Jeff City on this issue. You know, despite I think having uh, the votes to get it done. I mean, that that's really what's so frustrating. Um, we've passed in the House, um, and we believe we have the votes in the Senate, but um, you know, one senator, Denny Hoskins, is blocking it um, with a filibuster threat, and you know, Missouri Senate rules are such that. Those threats um, can can muck up the process, and um, but uh, you know I, I think that generally speaking, if we do look towards a, a referendum, that it, it's a winning issue. Now you know I'll have to do a little polling and see, and it's a big investment by the interested groups, but um, presumably I would think the casinos and the mobile operators and all the sports teams, and we've been on the same page for the most part on this issue. I could see us getting on on the same page if we went through a ballot initiative approach. Bill DeWitt, the third president of the Cardinals here on Show Me Today. Have you had conversations with your counterpart at the Royals or um, the Blues, Clark Hunt with the Chiefs, uh, about a referendum, or are you still just working the legislative side? Uh, we're still working the legislative side. So if, if it doesn't happen here at the at the 11th hour, we will regroup and, and look at the schedule and the process for um, a referendum. So, you know, we're just, um, we want to play out every option here with the legislature and then um, focus on the other, you know, plan B if it doesn't happen. Yeah. Missouri's in a unique position. As we mentioned, Kansas and Illinois and, and our pro teams are on the border of those states. And you kind of touched on this. Uh, what are you specifically hearing from fans? Well, they're they're basically saying, why aren't you, you know, why isn't this legal? It's legal everywhere else. Um, <laughs> you know, I particularly hear it from the younger fans. My son, yeah. who's, you know, in college, he's like, what, you guys don't have it? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm trying to help get that done. And he's like, you know, all my friends do it. Um, and, and they, some of them didn't even know it was illegal. So they just have apps they're using in Missouri. And again, who the heck knows where that money is going. I mean, offshore, this or that, untaxed, unregulated. Um, you know, another thing is we and the Players Association, meaning um, sports team owners and players associations, have worked together to determine what sorts of bets um, in a prop bets, you know, scenario, uh, you know, where you're betting on something other than the outcome of the game, are appropriate or not appropriate. And um, have reached consensus in other states on that. Um, you know, that's that's not happening when you have an unregulated situation. So there's just a lot of reasons, even if you're not um, inclined to be a better on sports, um, you're, there's, there's a lot of reason to support this. Uh, kind of in some respects, like the marijuana argument where, we're, you know, when you decriminalize it and tax it and regulate it, um, it, it just seems to be a better overall outcome than the, than the alternative. And uh, not that I would equate us with that, but it's, you know, one of those things that hasn't been legal for a long time. And um, it's happening all around us. And I think public sentiment is starting to change and realize that 
you know, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Um, but if you do, you should probably have a controlled environment. Bill DeWitt, the third president of the Cardinals, joining us. And I imagine there's sponsorship opportunities for the Cardinals that you're missing out on. And what are some of the things that, that pro teams are missing out from not having legalized sports betting in Missouri? We would stand to benefit from uh, a, a new sponsorship category. Certainly the, the operators would be looking to uh, reach our fan base. And we'd want to make sure that's done in a appropriate and tasteful way and not, you know, overly barrage them on this. Um, we also think that it creates fan engagement, uh, particularly with the younger crowd, um, as they think about engaging with sports in a different way. Phil, to use a baseball analogy here as the legislative session is winding down and sports betting, uh, we're in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, how many runs are we down? <laughs> Hard to hard to gauge. Yeah. I would say we'd have to put up a crooked number. We're, def- huh? <laughs> we're, we're definitely losing, and we probably need to put up a crooked number at the bottom of the ninth. That's, that's well put. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, we got to change the mojo here. What's going on in the, on the field? This is crazy. Uh, yes. You're, you're and right. I'm not we, pointing uh, fingers. I'm just. I'm saying from a from a fan standpoint, this is it's it's kind of baffling. It is. It's really yeah. a real head scratcher. The, the April record was just, you know. Um, one of those things where the expectations were so high for this team and for, for them to play this poorly is kind of a shock to the system. And we're all just kind of saying, you know, what what just happened there in April? Um, but, you know, turn the page to new month. I think that um, ultimately in a long 162-game season, you know, the best team typically wins out talent-wise. And, and this team has a lot of talent. So, um I'll, I'll guarantee one thing: we will not be this bad uh, again <laughs> for, for for May. Now we'll see. I have to get a lot better, but uh, that was a that was a clunker month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you talk about it being a, a shock to everyone. Uh, a buddy of mine texted me this the other day. I don't know if you've ever heard this. This is the first time ever that both the Cardinals and the Yankees have been in sole possession of last place May first or later. I mean, that gives you an idea of, it's historic, isn't it? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those, I'm, I'm going to write it off as a fluke. Yeah. You, know, you don't go yeah, 100 plus years. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't, it's not like we've got, you know, devastating injuries or anything. No, um, yeah, just. So it really, I, I think, and, and some of the underlying statistics would indicate uh, a better record than, than we have. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, we're not throwing in the towel yet. No, no, absolutely not. Bill DeWitt, the third president of the Cardinals, uh, appreciate your time and uh, good luck and hopefully things turn around and uh, we can catch up down the road too and we'll talk more sports betting. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. All right, this is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try 
All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Kansas City uh, looked beautiful during the NFL draft, uh, certainly showed off for the country, and viewership was up 11% from last year. A lot of people tuning in for the NFL draft. Our very own executive producer of Show Me Today, Cameron Connor, was there uh, right in the middle, right in the mix. And uh, Cam, how was it? How was the experience overall? Unbelievable experience, Bill. I... I don't really know if there's any other way to describe it just because of the fact that and really just adding to your point about the overall interest in the draft is just the fact that i think the fact that it's moving from place to place every year people are taking more interest because it's giving a draw for those nfl fans out there to have a new experience where they can go from city to city and a lot of the times maybe get experiences they haven't seen before in other places and they can interact in that way so it was 
massive events. It's took in a total of over 310,000 people in the combined three days, which, as we were talking about with the Kansas City Sporting Commission earlier before the draft started, that's basically spot on with what they expected, and it didn't disappoint. Now, obviously, a lot from Chiefs Kingdom were there, and I saw a lot of red. Uh, what were some of the other teams that were pretty well represented? Like Minnesota, that's not a far drive, but um, what did you see? What, what teams stuck out to you, or at least fan bases? That's highly accurate. Yeah, Minnesota, since it's only that six-and-a-half-hour drive away, or I guess if you fly, it's a little over north of an hour flight, there were a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans there. I guess the, there was a decent amount of Broncos fans. Just because of the distance, there wasn't too many Carolina Panthers fans, even though they had that number one pick, but enough to make it. The funny thing is I met five or six sets of Carolina fans, none from Carolina, either from Missouri or Texas or other places, <laughs> just centric to the region. But none of them were from... None of them were from North Carolina itself, which was which was hilarious to think about. But Broncos, Vikings, and hilarious enough, a lot of Jets fans and Steelers fans. But Steelers have a huge following no matter where you go, so that's not surprising. Jets, Jets was a little bit more surprising, though. Yeah, what about the Cowboys? Cowboys, they, they I guess they were prominent. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, if America's I'm team, yeah. Yeah, there, there wasn't, if anything, the Steelers are more of America's team from what I can set, from tell, just from the fan bases showing up. But, yeah, the the Cowboys fans, the, there were, I think there was easily every fan base there. But as far as something that you could point out as prominent, not, not too regular, if that makes sense. Yeah, Cameron Connor was at the NFL draft in Kansas City. Uh, what was the craziest outfit or a fan personality that you ran into? Because I know you talked to a lot of people. Raiders fans are always going to have that. Let's be honest. Like the the <laughs> silver and black getups with. There was one guy who looked basically just like some sort of Halloween jester in silver and black. You know, like the hat with like the really long, I guess tentacles hanging down with the bells on the end of them. You know what kind of hats? Like jester oh, yeah. hats. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. <laughs> no matter how he was walking or moving, he was jingling left and right. He had the whole black face paint and everything. That <laughs> that was probably as far as the craziest outfit. But going back to Jets fans, there was basically like a group of maybe about twenty people that were in the same group, and they were all decked out in green and white get-ups. So I guess as a whole, that group is the most impressive, but individual fans, the cake's got to go to the Raiders. It, it looks like on TV, like all of the the same teams, you kind of clump together and you, you kind of rally the troops. Did you see any um, any fights? Or how are the fans interacting with each other? No, I, I wouldn't say any yeah. fights as far as when I was out there, but as you know, I ended up having to go to the more media side of the draft with like associating with the players and stuff. So when I was out on the field, or I guess in, in the lawns where the main amount of people were being held, I was there at an early enough time before a group of 50,000 plus were there all together at once so, so that I could get these interviews and have personal conversations with them before, you know, you couldn't hear yourself think. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure as the night went on, but it's kind of like with anything, it doesn't have to be an NFL draft. If you make <laughs> lots of people free entertainment and, you know, some of those, some of those influencing beverages, you know, I, I'm sure that there were some people that were getting rowdier. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, I, I, I still and I understand alcohol plays a big part in it. I just I don't understand when people get in fights at football games. I, I really could not understand it if you get in a fight at the NFL draft. I mean, that's um, that's the low of lows. But um, no, listen, it looked like Kansas City uh, put on a great, uh, great show. Um, what was your big takeaway from Chiefs fans as you talked to them? They were uh, one of the 
biggest questions that I, or one of the main questions that I asked anyone, regardless of fans, but it hit home with Chiefs fans the most because obviously and predominantly most of them were from or in the area around Kansas City or Missouri itself. I asked them a lot of the time, did you ever think that something that was predominantly held in Manhattan, being the NFL draft, did you ever think that it would make its way to Kansas City? And literally every single person I asked, regardless of fan base, was absolutely not. They didn't think that the NFL draft would ever leave, and once it finally started making its rounds and going to Kansas City, it was just a rejoiceful kind of experience for a lot of them. It is probably the best way to describe it, just because of the fact that... Kansas City, for many, many reasons, is getting a lot of attention that it didn't used to get, and people are very thankful for it, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah, and the first time that uh, Super Bowl champion City hosted the event, then the following spring. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and that, that, yeah. that's another reason that it's getting a lot of attention. And I guess in a lot of ways, it was, I guess, a little experiment for when the World Cup is here in or when the World Cup's in Kansas City in 2026. Because if you thought that 312,000 people in three days was a lot, just imagine what it's going to be when the world's event comes to, to, to the heart of America. It, yeah. it's, it was a good sample size or experiments for yeah. them, I guess. Yep. That, that thing, in some areas of it, it was locked down like the White House. It was, <laughs> it was, it was interesting overall. Well, going back to Thursday night, I thought that uh, they, they kicked off the event the right way by having Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey out there with the Super Bowl trophy, and only Commissioner Roger Goodell could limit the amount of time that Travis Kelsey would speak, but I thought that was a, a great kickoff to the event. Oh, it absolutely was. And with with the personality that Travis Kelsey is, I don't even think Roger Goodell was limiting it. I think the only reason that he decided to stop is because he knew that he had his own event that he had to get to the next day. <laughs> so <laughs> he knew that he was going to get his time there. I don't know if you saw the videos, but he had a fake Lombardi trophy that he was pouring beers down and drinking and then spiking this Lombardi trophy all over the stage. He, he had his moment in Kansas City yeah. the next night, if, if that makes sense. Cameron Connor was at the NFL draft this weekend in Kansas City. Uh, let's talk about the, the football side of things. Uh, and I'd kind of talked about this um, earlier during the week for Chiefs fans to watch uh, them grab Kansas State defensive end Felix and Udike Uzama. And I thought maybe that the Chiefs, if they traded down out of that first-round pick, would take him with uh, two second-round picks. But they grabbed him in the first round. And I think I saw one out of all the mock drafts, I saw one that had Felix in the first round. And I kept saying, watch this. He's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I think this is a great get for the Chiefs. I think you and I are on the exact same page with that. If I'm going to be honest, may, maybe you and I are some gurus that the NFL needs to hire because I thought the Chiefs were going to take him too. Yeah, I, It made sense in a lot of ways, and I don't understand how someone didn't take him sooner. But in a lot of ways, if you were really paying attention to the draft, this was the year of the edge, of the defensive edge. That being said, the amount of defensive edges that went in the first and second round, I don't have the exact number on hand, but it felt like every other pick, someone was picking a pass rusher. So maybe that's why is he got a little overshadowed from some of these other Big Ten people from some of the more prominent schools, you know, like the, the Georgias and the Alabamas, like Will Anderson and stuff like that. But no, it was a great get. And to your point, the defensive or the Big 12 defensive player of the year, that's that's not a slouch. And for the hometown kid to come home on the hometown stage with the hometown team, it, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And then there are other two uh, targets that at least the draft experts were saying that the Chiefs needed to upgrade in uh, offensive tackle and at the wide receiver position. And they took care of those picks uh, in the early rounds as well. 
They really did. They really did. Rashid Rice, the trade-up in the second round to get him, I think that makes a lot of sense from the receiver position just because as far as, I guess, just like body type, he's literally the exact same like size and weight as the receiver that is lost. And Juju Smith-Schuster, to a deal that he signed with the Patriots, he, he's a guy that's he's not a burner. He's not you know a Tyreek Hill that lots of Chiefs fans are similar to, but he makes those acrobatic athletic catches, and he's a bigger body that can help with the blocking end of things as well. So I'm sure with many reps and lots of off-season time, I'm sure he's going to be looking pretty similar to what Juju Smith-Schuster can produce when you have a coaching staff like the Chiefs and you have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. A-plus job with the NFL draft. You know what was cool about it? And I don't know if you uh, noticed this at all or had a chance to watch or what they would show on the screens, but they had inside Union Station. They had these this quartered-off area where uh, they had these big couches for the players that were invited with their, their friends and their family and, and coaches. And as they would get introduced, they would walk through a, a hallway and they would be handed the hat of the team that drafted them. And then there was a big mirror that they would look into and put the hat on. And it was mm-hmm. a two-way mirror. And so as you were watching on ESPN, you saw them trying on their hat. And it was kind of a neat little touch. They stepped outside, and there they were on stage. It was really a a cool presentation. So you saw the moment that they uh, were on the couch, hugged their family, walked through this hallway from Union Station, uh, coming out the doors, and boom, on stage. It was was a pretty neat uh, presentation. How close did you get to the stage? Uh, I was... was inside that hallway at one point that you were talking about. Oh, you were. Yeah. Were you looking oh, in the yeah. mirror? You weren't looking in the mirror. Were you fixing <laughs> no, I your wasn't hair? Looking yeah. In, no, <laughs> I wasn't looking in the mirror. That would have been if I if I was, that's not something that they wanted to put on camera. Yeah. But no, it was basically to your point, since I was around so much of the, the that inside perspective of the draft that so many people don't get to see. That mirror image, even though there was a two-way mirror so they didn't actually ever get a moment by themselves, that was probably about the only moment they did have by themselves. They had three seconds where they could put this hat on from a team that drafted them where they were going to go start their new future, where all this hard work paid off. It was this emotional moment where they could just look at themselves and really reflect for even if it was just three to five seconds. But between getting drafted and getting all the congratulations from family... You only had that mirror because after that, you went right up to the stage. It was the great hoobla of meeting Roger Goodell, having the handshake, the jersey, this, that, the other. And then after that, you were carted away for press conferences. Cameron Connor uh, at the NFL Draft in Kansas City. Thanks. Thank you. Yep. Uh, more coming up. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad. 
for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accidentally avoided it. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000 pound bus. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. And coming up on Saturday, trap shooters have a chance to hone their skills and learn more about this sport. Joining us from the Missouri Department of Conservation is Sarah Elrod. Sarah, nice to visit with you. I'm so glad to get to be here today. Yeah. All right. So uh, trap shooting, it's a pretty popular activity. For those who don't know, explain the sport. All right. So trap shooting is when you use a shotgun, perhaps a 12-gauge or a 20-gauge. Um, usually it consists of five shooters. They are about 16 yards from the house where a uh, – so basically a machine shoots a clay pigeon out at different angles, and they try to shoot at it while standing on kind of like a five-stand uh, yield. So they take turns shooting at clay birds to try to improve their scores. Yeah. Now, listen, I don't want to incriminate myself or uh, or my friends, but we were down on their property and uh, and they had one of these pigeon shooters, disc shooters. And uh, they, you know, handed me the guns. Hey, city boy, try this. And we went through all the safety stuff. They, they showed me, you know, we were safe about it. But uh, I think they wanted to humiliate me. And I ended up, uh, I hit five out of five targets. So I <laughs> was pretty good. Shooter's luck, beginner's luck. But, uh, yeah, this is something yeah. that uh, I could certainly uh, benefit from. So talk about these classes that you have coming up uh, this Saturday. So we've got two classes planned. We're doing a 9 a.m. to noon. It's at the Rover Gun Club. And then we'll have one at 1 to 4 p.m. So basically, we'll be going. It's more of a beginner's class, but if we have people that already know how to shoot, you know, we are more than happy to help. You know, correct stance, maybe help you guys figure out what, you know, you might tweak a few things just to get a little bit better. You know, trap shooting's for everybody. You know, my my 
61-year-old mom signed up to the class because she's always wanted to do trap shooting, and she's thrilled to have the opportunity. So we're going to go over all different kinds of stuff, how to mount your gun, uh, best ways to, you know, fit it to, to you, where you should correctly shoot at the target, that way it doesn't get away from you, and, you know, kind of go over the equipment side of it, too. That way, you know, you might can get what fits you best and what works best for the game. Sarah Elrod from the Missouri Department of Conservation will be putting, and you'll be putting on the, uh, the trap shooting clinics, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I am. All right. So uh, lots of things to cover. Yeah, I mean, there is. There's a lot of technique and a lot of things that, that go into it. Um, you know, your stance and, and everything. I mean, it all it all kind of plays a part into your accuracy, doesn't it? It does. You know, um, it's kind of funny. You know, anybody can do this. You know, I was at the state trap shoot this weekend, and we were talking about things. You know, you can have the fanciest gun, but it's not necessarily going to do you any good. It's more your technique. It's all about the shooter. So, you know, going over all these different techniques helps way more than, you know, a three or $4,000 gun would. Sarah, are there a lot of um, state competitions? Uh, yes, there are. There's, there's competitions all over the state. Um, a lot for high school schoolers, but there's also quite a few for adults. Local gun clubs will have different competition hunts or, you know, practice rounds. You, a lot of times you can go on a weekend and find a group. Usually they kind of have clubs for it, and then they'll put on, you know, different workshops to where you can go and practice shooting, or, you know, you can go into a tournament too. If you're curious about trap shooting, classes will be offered this Saturday. Uh, two of them, Sarah Elrod, will be putting on two clinics for you from the Missouri Department of Conservation. And where is this located again? So it is located at the Rover Gun Club. Uh, so if you've ever been out towards Rover, you know, you go out uh, Highway 160, I believe, or is it 160, all the way to M Highway, and then you go towards Rover, and it is like right on the left if you're coming from West Plains, uh, right by the Baptist Church there. Yeah, yeah, it's down in South Central uh, Missouri. Um, how good of a trap shooter are you? Tell us about some of your accomplishments. I'll put you on the, <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> um, so I've been trap shooting since I was 15. Um, I was on the high school team when I was younger. And then, you know, in my adult years, I ended up doing trap shooting as like a coach when I was a teacher. And, you know, I'm really proud just because uh, this weekend at the state trap shoot, the West Plains had three teams all get second at the state trap shoot. And, you know, I don't want to brag on myself because it's all the kids, really. They've got the hard work and determination. But, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. And, you know, I got to be a part of that for four years to help them, you know, hone their skills. So, you know, I myself might not be a great trap shooter, but at least I've got some techniques to help someone else get really good. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you look at all of the great coaches or managers in professional sports and many times they're not, you know, the best at it either. So but they know how to teach it. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, that's a that's a proud moment for West Plains. Do you know how many schools are involved in uh, trap shooting across the state? I don't know the number. I know that there's a lot. I think there's over 100 at least. Uh, there was about I think there was 
33 or 34 stations, and each one of them had five teams shoot at it oh, or yeah. more. Yeah, so, so quite a bit. Um, Sarah, yeah, used... and I mean, that's high school teams and junior high teams, too. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, Sarah, you said that your 61-year-old mother was going to uh, take part in these uh, trap shooting classes on Saturday. What are the uh, age restrictions? How young? Uh, so 14 and so we can have anybody 14 and older and then you know there's not really a restriction you know when you're up there in age of course we want you to be able to lift the gun (laughs) (laughs) that would be important yeah so as as long as you're uh yeah yeah, as long as you can lift the gun you're ready to go um does experience matter with this class i mean can can you take beginners people that have never picked up a gun before We would prefer you have some gun safety handling. You know, we would prefer you've shot a shotgun a couple times just where you're not surprised by it. Um, So a little bit of gun handling is important. But, you know, if you don't have a ton, we'll go over some stuff. You know, we would prefer you to have shot a couple times but and, you know, be safe about it. But we will definitely go through, you know, common, you know, techniques. And then we'll also go over kind of safety rules before we even get started. Well, if you want to take up trap shooting, uh, there are a couple of classes this Saturday at the Rover Gun Club in Alton from 9 to noon and 1 to 4. And Sarah Elrod will teach you, and obviously she's had a lot of success. Now, where can people register? All right. You can go to MDC Events, and then you can go through them and look for, you know, the... Uh, trap shooting event and so basically all you have to go do is click the link and then register yourself so you know fill out your name phone number email address birthday and you are good to go easy enough any cost with this no it is completely free we will be bringing guns for you we'll be bringing ammo if you have a gun you want to try yourself or maybe you know you've done this a while and you have one that's specific to you you can bring your own but you know we will be providing firearms and we'll have ammo for you and it's completely free all right well thank you for the information sarah uh, best of luck with the event and uh, we'll catch up with you soon all right i really appreciate it thank yeah. you yep yeah trap shooting skills may 6th at the rover gun club in alton with the missouri department of conservation this is show me today the voice of missouri show me today